Hey, good morning again. So yeah, uh, that happened. I'm not entirely sure why, but yeah, it did. And so life goes on. You know, the sermon goes on. It's awesome to uh, see you all and just uh, be a part of what was going on this morning. And again, of course, Mother's Day, and I'm not going to re repeat everything again, but uh, hopefully this won't go out, and hopefully you know, we'll just go right, right into the sermon. Hi, Tanya. <laughs> nice to see you. Uh, sorry for the inconvenience, but, you know, the Internet is what it is. And so kind of what we're talking about here, like, you know, we, we roll with the punches. Like Paul's in jail, not a place that he wants to be, but, you know, such is life. You know, just like preaching on a computer, not necessarily what we want to do, but, hey, that's life. That's the situations and the circumstances that, uh, you know, we see and experience in life. And so... <clears throat> I'm just going to pray again. I'm going to start the sermon again. Uh, again, happy Mother's Day and everything else that was, was going on that you had seen and saw. So, dear Heavenly Father, uh, just thank you for all of our blessings. Uh, thank you for a little hiccups in the Internet, but thank you again for the Internet that we can continue to share your word and share lives together and our testimonies. And so, Lord, again, as we approach your word, we need your help, we need your spirit, we need you to tune our hearts and our minds to your will, and we just need to understand what your message is for us today. So, Lord, just bless us in this time, bless us in this moment. Please keep the Internet from crashing again, and just know that we love you, and this is our desire to worship you. So all this we will forever pray in our Lord and Savior Jesus' name. Amen. And so, uh, yeah, hi, welcome back. And so the text, I'm just going to start over with the, the first point, and hopefully we can get the sermon on here. Again, big shout-out to all you moms that are going on out there and so praise the Lord for that and today and the fact that you're different from them and so Philippians chapter 1 verses 18 through 26 yes and I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage now as always Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And so, um, yeah, first point, God said he would, so he will. And, you know, talking about joy being the settled assurance that God's in control of all details of our lives, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be okay, um, and that, that is that determined mindset to praise God in every situation. And so that's exactly where Paul's at right now, being in jail as he is, and that he still has this joy, this maturity in Christ, uh, and just everything else that 
has gone on in his 30-some years of ministry at this point. And so we talked about this, that yes, Paul's rejoicing in all this, and then he understands that through the prayers and the help of the Spirit of Christ, this will turn out for his deliverance, his salvation, his being let out of jail, if you will. It's a confident expectation that he has. But more so, in verse 20, it's his eager expectation and hope that he won't be ashamed uh, and again, this is shame isn't about, you know, something that he might have done. This is about what we read in last week about how he has rivals that are preaching from ill will towards Paul, trying to, um, you know, downplay him, downtrodden him, if you will. And so he won't be ashamed, but he'll always have courage in Christ and that life will be honored in his body, whether by life or by death. And so... Uh, the big thing here is we see that deliverance, we see that salvation, that Paul's going to be, um, you know, what kind of salvation is he talking about, and hopefully he's getting out of court to be tried. And then when we factor in what he said previously in the last week, he's got God's purpose will always prevail, and understand that Paul is in prison, and yet the gospel has advanced. Then we saw last week that God can use any person or situation or circumstance as well for his purpose. Purpose, purple. <laughs> and then Paul has rivals that are out to get him, if you will, but what does that ultimately matter if the gospel is to be advanced? And so that's where Paul's heart motives are, and that's why he can say things like in this, whether in life or by death, that Christ will be honored in my life. And so we see this point that God said he would, so he will. And so God will bring us to him. He will sanctify us. Uh, verse 6 in Philippians, you know, what Paul has said before previously, that he who began a good work in you will see it to completion at the day of Christ. And so Paul, in essence, is saying that whether I live or I die as a result of this Roman tribunal, that Christ, uh, I am with Christ, is, is the easiest way to explain this, that Christ is with us by far, in life as well as in death. And so we see that. And we also see the importance of being the church and how the gospel has been here. The prayer to be filled with the spirit for the upcoming trial. Like I don't want to go too far into too many details with the, the spirit in the upcoming trial, but certainly there are times in our lives where we are more spirit-filled than we're not spirit-filled. And so it's really important to understand this dynamic work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that that yes, it can absolutely be uh, sedentary, if you will, that it, while it's working, it's not being fostered or thrived. And yes, prayers help to activate that, and being in church and to pray for one another helps that cause as well, too. And what he's hoping for is that when this trial, when he's at trial, that these opponents and these rivals of his won't bring shame to him, but they will still have glory for God in all of this as to why he's in jail in the first place. And Paul keeps saying that, and he keeps thwarting it from himself to talk about um, the other people, to talk about the gospel, to talk about how, you know, it's advancing and people are listening and, uh, you know, of course the Roman guards and then all the other people that are in jail and all that understanding that Paul's there for a reason that's not his own. It's not about him. And it's never really ultimately been about it. But God 
said he would in the form of salvation, eternal salvation for all of us. But again, this isn't promised, but we see Paul's expectations that you know, God does have a plan. God does have work for my life, a purpose, if you will. And this is part of that purpose. And in that I rejoice because God is using my situations and circumstances to bring him glory. And when something is not about you, it is way easier to feel that sense of success, if you will, that life is going to be okay, that our purpose here isn't about us. It's not about our relationships or our income or money or any of those things that we have a tendency to make life about. When we make it about someone else, that's when you know life really shines. And so we see that, and you know, especially on Mother's Day today, you kind of see that too. That you know, it's not about the, the mom anymore, it's about the children and the upbringing and the raising of these children. So, praise the Lord for all those situations and circumstances. And then, uh, point two regardless, we experience a win win with the gospel. Um, so, Paul hits into this very famous quote for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so understanding, again, what he's saying in the rest of the verses, he's kind of weighing it out. I'm sure he's had a lot of time to sit and to stew and to think about life while you're sitting in jail because there's really not much else to do. Kind of could be allegorical to, you know, what life is like right now, too, just the same that, you know, while we're sitting, while we're waiting, are we really analyzing and thinking, you know, what are our values, what are, you know, what, what is my life? so to speak. And, and we see that, and that's exactly what Paul's referring to here. And so regardless of where we're at or our situations and our circumstances, not only do we press on in Christ, but we experience a win-win with the gospel. And so to live is Christ, and to die is gain, because then you're with Christ. So I'm living with Christ, and when I die, I'm with Christ. And there is a, a massive amount of peace uh, and understanding uh, for life that we can learn from and fall in this because we see that. We see the many wisdom of years and years of church planning, many years of experiences going through the trials and tribulations of life that hopefully you know, build our character, build our hope in life. And, you know, we have the present, the present win-win of we are with Christ and by the blessing of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, we have that as well, that it's this present time. And then there's the future, that someday we will be with Christ. And that is a beautiful expression and a beautiful thing, too. So I'm with Christ now or I'm with Christ later. Either way. That's a win-win for being a Christian and for being, you know, an adopted son and daughter of the Lord Most High. And so Paul is setting an example in this. This is this is really the fundamental where, you know, he talks about himself. Again, you saw like the mother caring for her child in the church. Paul, you're in jail. Are you okay? Are there any tangible needs? Is there anything that, you know, we can do for you? Here's Epaphroditus. Like he's brought some, you know, whatever to you and like how can we help and so we see that and he's setting that example for them that hey you know I've, I've been through a lot this has happened to me that's happened to me he's going to go into that even more in chapter three when he talks about 
you know, what his life was like before Christ, and how it's all, you know, rubbish in comparison to knowing and to seeing and to being a part of God's kingdom and to being in Christ. And so Paul says also in this letter a couple more times to the church in Philippi that to imitate him in a sense, to understand and to see this Christian maturity and where we're going. And so, yeah, Paul sees that Jesus and his gospel is the chief priority. And when that priority exists in, you know, not just Paul's life, but in our life, that there is no sense of failure because it's not about us. It's not about our performance. And that's exactly why the gospel is such great news, because it's not about our performance, which is exactly what, you know, is countercultural to the world, because the world right now is all about individual performance. And, you know, the, the benchmarks and the standards for life, you know, especially on Mother's Day, how to be a good mother, and, you know, how to be a good father, and how to, you know, do all these things, and it makes it all about you. But there is so much grace and unmerited favor and mercy in the gospel, and to see things as Paul sees things, because, again, like the onus isn't on us. It's not about us to make it a performance issue and to jump, you know, whatever it is, jump on top of other people to get what we want, which, again, is what we see in the world. And so knowing ultimately that that is what, you know, Paul's aim is and what he's getting at is because he knows that God said he would, so he will, and then that there's also a win-win in the matter of life and death. You know, life offers so much in, you know, contrast with, you know, just the situations, the circumstances, the experience, but more so the sanctification of the believer themselves, that the believers will continue to grow into Christ-likeness until we are finally, you know, glorified with Christ in our death. Because... Right now, it's really hard, right? Like, it's hard to be a human being in, in this world because everyone wants their own way and other people are crushing other people to get their own way. So a couple of things, though, that we need to know and we need to realize here is that um, Paul is, is not suicidal <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Paul is not, you know, saying, I'm really important and God's going to keep me alive so that I will give you reason to praise God, you know, with my life again. Like, there's no arrogance in Paul here, too. You know, what he's saying in this, that, you know, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain, we see that all over the New Testament. We see that all over all of the epistles. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 through 4 says, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, or the very famous quote, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then another one of my favorites, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. And Jesus died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And then 
From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so, of course, this is very much so the hardest Christian tenet. But just know that, of course, we're never alone in this. And that, yes, we are sinners and we are broken human beings. Uh, absolutely. And so, you know, but he's never going to leave us. And that's exactly what Paul has said here in this, that with the help of the Spirit of Christ, and, and not so much in help as an, an action, but the help as in the supply of the Holy Spirit, the giving of the Holy Spirit by the Heavenly Father, that we can, you know, begin to walk in these righteous ways and not be so self-serving. But I have to tell you honestly, like, you know, as much as we were talking about that Christian tenant before and how it's really hard, you know, to die to self, like, this is a constant struggle. This is a constant spiritual warfare that we as Christians experience. Because if you are not in Christ, you are, you know, on your own way to whatever, you know, idols that you have and whatever purpose and whatever meaning of life that you may have. And the devil's not going to mess with you because naturally you're held on anyway. But having the Spirit of God, naturally the devil is going to mess with you, you know, even more in that capacity. And of course, being a sinner, we do have this inherent egocentric nature that makes everything about us, every single thing. And so, uh, again, I, I, I said at the beginning of the last one, which was recorded, wasn't recorded, it is what it is. Again, you know, trials, tribulations, challenges. Life goes on, right? Like my measure as a human being isn't weighed by the fact of whether or not I can get this sermon out to you guys, you know, with good technology or bad technology or whatever it is. My worth as a human being is in what God has says it is. Again, it's not about performance. Now, it is my inherent desire to want to do well for the Lord and to please him so that, you know, there will be that day, you know, uh, welcome my good and faithful servant, right? Like, I want to honor my Lord because of what he has done for me. And so this was a tough, tough week. Like, there was a lot of pride uh, just kind of seeping out into every situation. And it kind of progressively got worse for me um, up through Wednesday into the vast majority of Thursday. And I don't want to go into all the details uh, just because they're silly at times. But at the same time, like, there were relational issues. You know, there were, there were trials and challenges. Um, you know, I've got these new people, and, like, I, I just want people to do what they say they're going to do, and it doesn't always work out that way. And it's very frustrating because I take it as a personal offense if someone doesn't do what they, they say they're going to do. And so there were that kind of relational issues um, that were, you know, just eating at me, if you will, a little bit, because I made it about myself, right? Um, there were business types of issues. Like I spent a good amount of time uh, working on uh, what is the Constitution and the bylaws of the church. 
And for me, that just feels like hypocrisy in the sense that we need to worry about all these different things. But because human beings are sinners and because we have to dig and delve and protect ourselves, if you will, by legal matters, that, you know, there was just, it was overwhelming in a sense. I mean, it's just frustrating because I'm like, why is the world like this in a sense? Um, there were health issues that are going on. Um, and then also, you know, the broken eyes. Like, I spent way too much time on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday uh, just looking laterally at the world and trying to make sense of our situation and our circumstances. And it got me really bummed out. I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, like, what are we doing? What's the, what's the point of all this? What's, what's everything? And so, you know, as much as Jesus said in uh, the Gospel of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount, that, you know, if, if our eyes are full of darkness, then our whole body's full of darkness. And that's exactly what had happened is, we were looking at that lateral darkness uh, of life right now, and we're just like, oh my goodness, like, where are we going? What are we doing? And so, you know, the ultimate question is like, why, why is this not good enough? Why am I not good enough? Uh, why does this happen to me? So on and so forth. And again, all of those are linked together by one common thread, which said I. I, I, I. And so I, I, hope <laughs> in, in these situations and circumstances as I've learned this week that I can get myself out of the picture but that's not easy because my inherent sinful nature is to be all about me my individual wants and my individual desires but again to see the gospel in this and to see that it's not about my individual performance yes I want to do well but my worth and my my, my self you know, knowledge is, is not tied into how I do things or how I want things done. It goes into how God has created them. And so with the gospel and to see this joy in other people's lives or to make it about the advancement of the gospel, like there is nothing more exciting to uh, like church planters or anything like that than baptisms, like seeing a new life in Christ. Uh, those are by far the most like exciting things that we uh, see as human beings, and especially as as pastors. Like those new lives in Christ are so precious because they're like like the eyes are opened and the scales are removed, and there's so much joy and there's so much uh, just excitement that oh my goodness, like life has meaning now again, and, and it's just such a, a beautiful expression, and so. We missed out on those right now, you know, because we can't, you know, do this socially distantly responsible. Even here on Mother's Day, we missed baby dedications like we were planning on doing, um, you know, dedicating you know, our lives. And, and mothers that are listening, I just want you to know that for sure, like, the church is dedicated to your baby. And that we will hope you as a family, you know, continue to grow up your children as well as you know, however we can help. Like, that's what we're here for, the unity of the faith in Christ. Because God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers for the building up of the saints, which is everyone in the church, until we achieve the unity and the maturity of the faith in Christ that we experience. And so um, we saw and we see that, you know, these are challenges, right? Like, not catastrophic by any stretch of the imagination, but 
still like trials and tribulations that we go through and that we learn. And so the bottom line of you know all of these things that I went through this week is that if I make my life about myself, I am bound and determined to be disappointed. I am bound and determined to be disappointed if I make my life about myself. If I make my life about Christ, that's very different because I can't be disappointed and let down. And the same with you know what's going on in my heart and my mind, uh, these relationship issues. Because again, the hardest Christian tenet, as we read in Galatians, Colossians, 2 Corinthians, it's in 1 Thessalonians, it's in just about every epistle, and then we see it here. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And he gives us those those points that it's going to be fruitful labor, that it's not going to be easy. Because labor is work, and that's not always easy. Like if you love what you're doing, you know, we can learn from this example that Paul has because he loves what he's doing and preaching and teaching the word so much that that this is his life goal and his ambition, if you will, to continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone that he can possibly, you know, meet and talk to. And yes, the gospel still gets advanced when Paul goes in jail. The gospel still gets advanced despite people having, you know, terrible heart motives that are trying to destroy him. As long as Christ is being, you know, preached, Paul has joy because he knows who he is in Christ and he knows where he's going in Christ. And so um, three big gospel takeaways that, that we need to see out of this passage as a whole. Um, one is the power of intercessory prayer for other people as the church. Um, we see that in the very first verse, verse 19, um, after we skipped uh, 18b, that, that Paul has this knowing that the prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit will turn this out. That intercessory prayer for other people absolutely helps them. And that's, again, part of being the church, part of understanding what's going on uh, in the lives of the church members, and part of the community, and that this church has been praying for Paul. And we see this again in another uh in the book of Acts, when the people prayed for Peter to be released, and, and God released Peter um, when he was in jail at that time. And we see that, that yes, God knows, and, and, and God can do whatever, and ultimately, um, yes, he could release him or he could not release him, but at the same time, that power of prayer to uh, show this love of the church to show the humility that we know that we're not in control and that God is in control, um, just continues to foster that the dynamic necessity for prayer in the lives of not just us individually, but us corporately. Because a lot of times when we pray, we have a tendency to pray for ourselves, to pray for our wants, not necessarily our needs, but our wants. And God, uh, like a good parent, will not give you all of your wants because your wants, you don't even know what you want half the time. Um, and so praise the Lord that he's not giving us all that you know, uh, we ask for in that sense because it's not about needs, it's about wants. It's about our own glory. It's about ourselves, right? And again, this is are we, are we living for ourselves or are we living for others and another person? 
And so, um, also too, you know, in talking about that that hard week and, and what's going on in prayer, like, you know, there's trials and tribulations and struggles with, uh, you know, my children at this time, uh, with my mom, uh, with some other family members uh, too that are extended, as well as just some other people that we know and that we talk about in our community groups and our prayers. And so, all those people uh, kind of. You know, I'm like, man, there's a lot going on in the world, but we pray for them because we want the best for them because we love them, right? And so intercessory prayer, praying for other people, um, there's a lot to be said and a lot to learn from this small section about the power and the influence that that is going to have on our lives and the lives of those around us. So intercessory prayer, praise the Lord that he has given us the Holy Spirit to allow us to pray and to pray without ceasing. And yes, it's awkward, but it's meaningful and it's purposeful. And so that was the first big takeaway is all the big intercessory prayer that we have. Number two, you have to see the dynamic work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a one and done thing. Like many times in the Bible, they were filled with the Spirit or they were um, you know, left to themselves, if you will. I don't know how else to possibly describe that, um, but they were left to themselves. There was no blessing of the Spirit. And, and this week, like even in my own situation and circumstance, yes, I know I have the Spirit. Yes, I believe the Spirit's within me. But was the Spirit really alive and, and, and helping me? No, I kind of let it go flat, if you will, because I focused way too much on myself I focused way too much on the immediate brokenness of the world, and I did not set my eyes up high to the Lord and to remind myself of the spiritual truths, because that, unfortunately, like needs to happen a lot. Because, man, like I know the truths, but at the same time, I felt so susceptible just to my own blah, if you will, my own sin, that I wasn't focused on you know, these spiritual truths and reminding myself of the encouragement that I have in Christ and to, you know, be alive in the Spirit. So, yes, we have the Spirit, but it's very dynamic. There's not a constant flow or anything like that in the power of the Spirit, which, again, is why the intercessory prayers are so important to help those people that are going through trials and tribulations, just like, we saw what the Philippian church was doing for Paul. Paul's about to go to trial. Paul doesn't, you know, he's like, you know, I, I trust God, this, that, and the other. But the Philippian church helped pray for him to encourage him to light that spirit up, if you will, that he will be able to stand at that Roman tribunal and to glorify God with his life, whether in life or in death. He will be, you know, God will be glorified through the life of Paul. That that is his goal, if you will. And so you have to see that dynamic work of the Holy Spirit in it. Just as the power of intercessory prayer is so important, like activating, using, being spiritual in a sense, understanding the word, being able to see and to love and to you know be part of scripture, to pray, to fast, to any of the spiritual disciplines, help you know, light that Holy Spirit on fire, that we can stand with confidence. Because if we don't, and we just continue to look at the things of the world, like, you know, bad things are going to happen. And, and that's kind of what happened this week, too. And so, 
I understand it. And then the other big thing is, you know, especially with what's going on in the world right now in the pandemic, like how we view life and death. Okay, like these same situations that Paul is going through are experienced and are still happening in the world today. I said that on our last video, and I didn't say it, but uh, all in all, just to understand that, you know, whether in life or whether in death, as Paul has explained to us here, that, that God will be glorified. Again, his purpose will prevail. He can use any situation, circumstance. He can use any person. He can use anything you know to bring about his glory to light up and so how we view life and death um, makes a big difference because if we're you know especially in western culture like death is not you know um, it's not very like we might bury our dead we might cremate our dead you know we have graves so on and so forth but death is not something that you know we spend a lot of time on by any stretch of imagination in fact if you were to look at, you know, social media or the news or things like that, we've become really, really desensitized to death in the first place. Um, like, it's just, it, it, it's nothing. But when it gets close to us, when it gets close to our family, when it gets to our friends, that's when we really feel it. But understand this, that, that you know, death was never meant to be. We have an eternal creator. He does not die. He is the same yesterday as today as will be tomorrow. And praise the Lord for that because we are not. We are very different. We have a lot of growing to do. But praise be to God that you know, he is the author of life. He is the creator of life and of death and so on and so forth. So how we view this and how we see this, it's, it's very eye-opening. It's very humbling, if you will. And there's also, again, that immense gospel peace that we experience in this because how we view this life and death, understand that Jesus is with us, whether in life or in death. Just like Paul says, it's better that I go because I will be with Jesus. Like there will be no more trials and tribulations and challenges. I will be made whole. I will be glorified with Christ being found in Christ. So that death obviously looks like a game. But he's talking about life as a sense of labor. And so there are undoubtedly ups and downs and all arounds that you know happen in our lives. And it doesn't matter though. And, and Paul's kind of pointing that out because Jesus is with us throughout all this. But the, the ultimate question is, and where we need grace and we need reminders of the gospel in our daily lives, it's just what I told you about this tough story this week. Like, I really wasn't Christ-focused, I was Eric-focused, right? And when you're more Eric-focused than you are, you know, um, Christ-focused or, you know, whatever it is in our lives that we're focused on, uh, the things of the world, that, yeah, like, we're bound to be disappointed. We are bound to be let down. We are bound to have our hope crushed. But in Christ, knowing that he is the victor, that on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. That there is the sense of peace. That there is the sense of security. That, again, regardless of what situations may happen in our lives, that we will be taken care of. And that's joy. And that's a mindset. 
And I told you again that my mind was not set on the joy of Christ this week. My mind was set on many earthly annoying things and trials and challenges and people. And so who am I really living for? How am I, I doing this? And I want to remind you of the two great commandments too, because again, this is this, what Paul's saying here is nothing different than what God has said all along. But of course, understanding Paul, you know, in spiritual maturity has grown to this point. He didn't start here. Like we all have a lot of growing to do, right? We all have a lot of maturing to do. And so love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, right? Love the Lord your God. That's the first commandment. And then love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second commandment. And in both of those, you must see that it's not about you. And so first, it's loving our God. It's loving our Creator. You know, all the catechisms say that the chief end of man, the purpose of life, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him. And so that follows that first one. And again, you see that that's what Paul's doing. Paul has made this about the gospel. He has made it about Jesus and about going out. And then the second commandment is just like itself. Uh, the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so do I continue to make things about me or do I make it about my wife? Do I make it about my daughter? Do I make it about my son? How can I encourage them? How can I support them? How can I love them? Yes, there's still going to be trials and tribulations and challenges in them. But again, it's not about individual performance with the gospel. It's, it's about this, this love and how God is in control and this joy is in control and that we can very simply be a part of it. And so, you know, as much as we talked about a mother's love earlier, the agape and sacrificial love, we see that love in Christ and in this. That even though Paul is going through a hard and difficult time, and even though his future is uncertain, just like our future is uncertain right now, like when are we going to get back to a meeting? You know, when we have 50 people together. You know, what's going to happen with the economy? How, you know, how is this all going to impact and touch us? And, you know, everybody's right and everybody's wrong right now in the same capacity. But just know that as a human being to another human being, it is like I have no desire, like aside from when my sin and my pride might take over, but I, I have no desire to be your enemy. I have no desire to want to crush you. You know, there, there's nothing in that for us, for gain, for anything like that. And we see that love of Christ again, like just like how we see that mother's love today on that mother's day, that, that deep connection, that intimate connection, that regardless of, of how the beautiful little baby that you're holding may turn out in life, that you're still going to love them. And that is the beauty of the gospel, and that's the beauty of our Heavenly Father uh, in all of these situations that he, regardless of whatever we might find ourselves into as we're you know, making mud pies, that he's still going to love us. That, you know, regardless of whether or not our lives take a massive turn, that, you know, we get arrested, we get, you know, drug abuse, we have, you know, illegitimate children. Like, there's so much nonsense in the world, right? But knowing that there is a God that will still love us and that it's not based on our performance, that Jesus can, in fact, change lives 
that you are a new creation in Christ. And that, you know, when we are baptized, we symbolically die to self and are raised from Christ. And, you know, Paul says in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. I have died with Christ. It is no longer I who live. And so may we find joy and may we find peace and may we grow in our wisdom and understanding that this is the, the Christian tent. This is you know, what we're aiming towards. Like so many people have gotten around the prosperity gospel. You know why? Because it makes it about you. And and that's human nature, right? That's exactly what we want. We want everything to be about us, which is why a false gospel like that is so enchanting to so many people. But if anyone has seriously read the first chapter of Philippians, or Galatians chapter 2, or Colossians chapter 3, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or 1 Thessalonians 5, or, or, you know, there's so many that go on and on. We see that it is not about us, and that, thank God, it's not about us, and that, thank God, our salvation is not, you know, wrought on by us, that it is not our good works. And so, brothers and sisters, that is good news that it is not about us, that we can live for another and have this immense joy and to see this and then to know that what Paul's going through here and what Paul says here, that is where we're going in our lives. And so praise the Lord for all that. So dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for everything. I want to thank you for the, the hiccups this morning and the trials and the challenges because Lord, we just want to serve you and to love you. And so, you know, despite, you know, the, the first part being gone, like this part, I'm, I'm amazed that, you know, it's been so long and we've talked about so much. So, Lord, I just thank you. And, Lord, you know, this is so hard. And I, and I don't, you know, obviously wish this on people, but I need to pray for people that they may understand and that they may see that ultimately it's not about them. And, yes, it's a very, very, very hard road because of our inherent sinful nature. But Lord, I pray for them. I intercessory pray for them that their spirit may be made alive so that they can have that comfort, that encouragement, and that support that only you can give, God. Because when we look so much at these earthly things, like we put our hopes in them, we are bound and determined to be crushed. And so, Lord, in you, no human being can be crushed. So show us how to live this life in Christ, continue to sanctify us, continue to embolden us, and continue to share the gospel with others, because this is our great joy, and you are our great hope for this life. And regardless of where we find ourselves, you are both with us now, and we're going to be with you later. So praise the Lord. Just love you, Jesus. It is in your name that we will, as Christians, as adopted sons and daughters of the Lord Most High, will forever pray. Amen. And so, uh, thank you all for staying and dealing with uh, the frustrations and the trials and tribulations of the internet this morning. Eh, you know, life goes on. So, yeah, it's been fun. I do enjoy talking about Jesus. So, guess what? I'll be here next week, too. So talk to you later. Bye.